Mark, the Gospel of Mark, and it's chapter 14, verses 32 to 65. And they went to a place called Gethsemane. And he, Jesus, said to his disciples, sit here while I pray. And he took with him Peter and James and John and began to be greatly distressed and troubled. And he said to them, my soul is very sorrowful, even to death. Remain here and watch. And going a little further, he fell on the ground and prayed that if it were possible, the hour might pass from him. And he said, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Remove this cup from me. Yet not what I will, but what you will. And he came and he found them sleeping. And he said to Peter, Simon, are you asleep? Could you not watch one hour? Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. And again he went away and prayed, saying the same words. And again he came and found them sleeping, for their eyes were very heavy, and they did not know what to answer him. And he came the third time and said to them, Are you still sleeping and taking your rest? It's enough. The hour has come. The Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let's be going. See, my betrayer is at hand. And immediately, while he was still speaking, Judas came, one of the twelve, and with him a crowd with swords and clubs from the chief priests and the scribes and the elders. Now the betrayer had given them a sign, saying, The one I will kiss is the man. Seize him and lead him away under guard. And when he came, he went up to Jesus at once and said, Rabbi, and he kissed him. And they laid hands on him and seized him. But one of those who stood by drew his sword and struck the servant of the high priest and cut off his ear. And Jesus said to them, Have you come out against a robber with swords and clubs to catch me? Day after day, I was with you in the temple teaching, and you did not seize me. But let the scriptures be fulfilled. And they all left and fled. And a young man followed him with nothing but a linen cloth about his body. And they seized him. But he left the linen cloth and ran away naked. And they led Jesus to the high priest. And all the chief priests and the elders and the scribes came together. And Peter had followed him at a distance, right into the courtyard of the high priest. And he was sitting with the guards and warming himself at the fire. Now the chief priests and the whole council were seeking testimony against Jesus to put him to death. But they found none. For many bore false witness against him. But their testimony did not agree. And some stood up and bore false witness against him, saying, We heard him say, I will destroy this temple that is made with hands, and in three days I will build another not made with hands. Yet even about this, their testimony did not agree. And the high priest stood up in the midst and asked Jesus, 
Have you no answer to make? What is it that these men testify against you? But he remained silent and made no answer. Again, the high priest asked him, Are you the Christ, the Son of the Blessed? And Jesus said, I am. And you will see the Son of Man seated at the right hand of power and coming with the clouds of heaven. And the high priest tore his garments and said, What further witness do we need? You have heard this blasphemy. What is your decision? And they all condemned him as deserving death. And some began to spit on him and to cover his face and to strike him, saying to him, Prophesy! And the guards received him with blows. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So kids, you have a question mark in your bag that you can make about the most important question that has ever been asked. And underneath it is Jesus' answer. So let's make them as pretty as we can and then we can hang them somewhere where we can remember that Jesus said, I am the Christ. Good morning, church. What a privilege to be here with you again um, this morning. Uh, Kathy welcomed me this morning saying, welcome Marvin, you are not in the list. And I was like, what? Yeah, yeah, so you are in the waiting list to be accepted and to enter to the church. So thank you for allowing me to be here this morning. Me and my family. Um, and I want to again give a welcome to the university students that are starting, I think last week, starting their, uh, started their classes. And I just want to ask you a favor. No, I want to ask, give you an invitation. Today at 5 p.m. in my house, I want to invite all the students that are here and the ones who are listening online, if you want to go to my place to eat pizza at 5 p.m., I would love to spend a little bit more time with all of you and to know you a little bit more. And if you want to go, uh, just uh, talk to the guy who is in the back raising his hand uh, on the, in the sound booth, and he will take your name and he, 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 your address if you need to... to if you need to have a lift or we need, we need to give you a ride, please let us know and uh, let us know if you are coming because depending on that, I will order the pizzas, okay? So now let's start with a word of prayer this morning. Thank you, Lord, for your word. It's inspired and it's um, for our edification and it's for our... Um, a training in righteousness. Uh, you gave it so then we can understand the way of salvation, which is through faith in Jesus Christ. We pray that you will open our ears, our eyes, so then we can see Jesus as the Son of God, the Son of Man. In Jesus' name we pray this morning. Amen. 
Each week, we are getting closer and closer to the climax in the life and work of our Lord Jesus Christ, his crucifixion. Last week, we looked uh, closely at Jesus' last supper with his disciples. Do you remember that encounter there, that last supper with them? And Jesus explains that the sacrifice of an, of an innocent animal for sin ends that day when he gets with them in the upper room having his last supper. He told them a new covenant begins. Begins. Now, that the old covenant ends and a new one begins does not mean there is no longer a need for a sacrifice because sin continues to exist. Sin is still present today. And uh, what Jesus tells them is that a new covenant is coming. He's, he's, he's not saying that uh, the payment for the sins uh, has changed, but he is telling them that, that there is still a need to pay for the sin. A new covenant begins, but the old one doesn't mean that there is not a need of payment for the sin. So let me give you an example. In the old covenant, you offer a sacrifice for sins once a year. Lying, cursing, disobeying, slandering, stealing, whatever your sin may have been was covered by the sacrifice. Today, when we lie, steal, coerce, covet, disobey, envy, our sin still require, requires payment. And the price, according to the Bible, is eternal death. So, Sin does not disappear just because we want to ignore it. Either we receive the payment or the judgment for our sins, or we look for a substitute to die on our behalf. That is our reality. That was the reality in the Old Covenant. That was the reality in the Old Testament. And is the reality now in the New Covenant and in our time. But today, it sounds even ridiculous to use the word sin. We consider a Debbie Downer a person who dare to use the word sin. Right? But just because we give it another name or because we ignore it does not mean that God will do the same. Sin is still sin. Ever since the first sin in the Garden of Eden, God has been speaking of the need to pay 
for sin. So when Jesus, in the Last Supper, tells his disciples that there is a new covenant, what he is saying, what he is doing there is telling them, I am the offering as payment for your sins. And that's why he tells them, I am the Lamb of God. I am the sacrifice. Take my body and take my blood. It is for you. You see, there is still a requirement of a payment. But Jesus, in the Last Supper, is offering himself as your sacrifice in order to give you forgiveness before God the Father. And that's what Romans says in Romans 5, 8. But God says, show his love for us that while we were still sinners, while we recognize that we are sinners, while we say or use the word sinner, says while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. There is an offering for all of us who wants to believe that Jesus is our substitute. Even when some of us, we don't want to recognize it. So after that, in our text this morning, Jesus, after last supper, Jesus took his disciples to the Garden of Gethsemane. And we just need to remember that Jesus is fully aware of what is going to happen in the following hours. The disciples know what will happen to him as well. So, you will think that they will pray with Jesus fervently. Or at least they will pray with Jesus fervently because they knew what, is, what was coming. But no. I'm going to use this one. The suffering of Jesus was a lonely suffering. He was, the one, he was the only one who knew the seriousness of sin and the need to sacrifice his perfect life to satisfy the demands of God for forgiveness. So he took Peter, James, and John to pray. And he left the rest to sit waiting for him. And at this point, Jesus tells them, I am, I am in great, I am in great distress. My soul is very sorrowful, even to death. And then when he is praying, he says, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Remove this cup from me. But he says, yet not what I will, but what you will. Meanwhile, as usual, 
the disciples were sleeping. And you know what? Jesus, Jesus tells us and tells them why they were sleeping. If we read in verse 14, in chapter 14 of, of uh, Mark, verse 37 and 38, he says to them, and he came while he was praying, suffering, he came and found them sleeping. And he said to Peter, Simon, are you asleep? asleep? Could you not watch one hour? And he says, watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. And this is the answer. Why you are sleeping? Because the spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is, what he says there? The flesh is weak. My friends, this is such an accurate picture of all of us. In our human effort, we try to do what we know is right, but we fail to do it. We know what's correct, but we lack the power to do it. But we see here Jesus, even when he is in his suffering, when he is in his weakness, in sorrow, doing what you and I cannot do, the will of the Father. Jesus was the only one who could fulfill the will of the Father. So after that, he comes and wakes, and, and wakes everybody up and tells them the hour has come. After he was praying and the disciples were sleeping, he tells them again, the hour has come. Not the hour that you use to, to it, 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 that we use in English. It's this event. The hour of this event that has been planned, it's come, has come. The Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Notice that Jesus is the one who tells the disciples what's coming next. In verse 42, if you read it with me, says, Rise, let us be going. See, my betrayer, it is, it's at hand. You, you will think, at this point, you will think that it's Judas who is in control of this situation, right? I mean, he knew where Jesus was. He knew how to identify him. And therefore, he instructed the crowd what to do when he kissed and identify, identified Jesus. But the truth in this, in this passage is that Jesus was not taken by surprise. He knew since the beginning when he chose when he chose the disciples, that Judas was the one who was going to betray him. So, in this passage again, was not Judas who was in control 
of what was happening. But Jesus. This part of the scripture is a very sad passage of the scripture. We see a vivid illustration of someone following Jesus, eating with Jesus, hearing his teachings, seeing his miracles, and even doing ministry with Jesus, but who never really let God of the world and his desires in his heart. And that is something that I was shaking and thinking a lot when I was reading this passage. Because, yes, my friends, it is possible to profess externally to be a Christian, but never really let go of the world and its desires in our heart. And therefore, when it's time to decide between Jesus and our real love, it's a no-brainer. What occupies our time, what occupies our minds, and what occupies our affections will one day bring who we really are out into the open. Sooner or later, that is going to happen to all of us. So we see the betrayer. And now we see the mob doing exactly the same. When the time came to decide to whom they followed, what was in their heart came out into the open. That happened with the mob in verse 48. If we read it together, it says, And Jesus said to them, to those who came to arrest him, Have you come out as against a robber with swords and clubs to capture me? And listen to this in verse 49. Day after day, I was with you in the temple teaching, and you did not seize me. But let the scriptures be fulfilled. What we see here is that Jesus is completely alone, closer and closer to his death. His friends left him, and whoever the naked man was, in verse 51, he left him too, without clothes. The point is that Jesus was alone. He was alone because that was God's will for him. In this passage, my friends, it seems like God takes all the secondary actors out of the stage so we can see Jesus 
in the spotlight. There is no Peter, as Joe says. There is no James with him or John. There is no Judas. There is no people. It is only Jesus before the council on his trial. Because that was the plan. And let me tell you something. Everything in this trial was shady. In this type of case, when the council was going to, when the council was going to judge someone, the council never, never met at night. According to the Jewish tradition, they will do this in the open during the day and never, never during the night. Witness were to be warned about false testimony and rumor according to the law of Moses. And they were to meet in some part of the temple in the open. Everybody, knew, everybody need, needed to know who were the witnesses in the open day, but never in the upper room of the high priest. This was a conspiracy. Something that was entirely against the law of Moses. The law of Moses that they supposed to keep to the letter was bent to their convenience. We see in verse 55 and verse 56, in verse 57, they tried to find evidence against Jesus. Yes, in the, in the trial, when they were doing the trial, they were, do you have something to say against Jesus? Come, come, it's your, you can do it. They were looking there for evidence, even though they already had the final verdict agreed. Everything is orchestrated here. There is bribery, there is corruption at the high level, and Jesus is silent against all this charade. But this was to fulfill what Isaiah 53, 7 says. If you read it with me, it says, 53, 7, he was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth like a lamb that is led to the slaughter, and like a sheep that before his shears is silent. So he opened not his mouth. He was silent against the accusations. But we're reading Mark Verses 61 and 62, that he 
open his mouth until the high priest asks the right question. Everything was worthless. He was not going to waste any words trying to defend himself. But they asked the right question. And we see in verse 61 and 62, the high priest says, Are you the Christ, the Son of the Blessed? Even the high priest is using the word blessed because he was not he doesn't he didn't want to use the name of God Yahweh he used blessed and this is the most amazing answer that they could ever ever received and Jesus said I am and you will see the Son of Man seated at the right hand of power and coming with the clouds of heaven. When Jesus answered, I am, he used the same name of God that God used when he appeared to Moses. The same name that the high priest didn't dare to use. Jesus is using it here plainly. He is saying, I am. Do you remember when Moses was asking God in Exodus chapter 3, verse 13 and 14, if I come to the people of Israel, you are sending me to the people of Israel. If I come to the people of Israel and said to them, the God of your father has sent to send me to you, and they ask me, what is my name? What is his name? I'm sorry. It's Moses asking, what is his name? What shall, what shall I say to them? And God said to Moses, I am. I am who I am. This is the name for God that Jesus is giving to himself in this trial. When Jesus used the word I am, he reminded them of God speaking to Moses, the greatest of all the prophets in Israel. It was an explicit declaration from Jesus of his identity as the God himself incarnated among themselves.
In the past, God sent a prophet and tells them, tell them that I am, I'm sending you. But what we see in this passage is Jesus himself saying, I am. I am God. I didn't send a prophet. I, I didn't send anyone to give you a message. I am the message of God. I am God incarnated in this human flesh. And I am here to solve the biggest problem that you and I have before God. That was the most amazing answer that they could have received. Larry King, mo most of you know him, the king of the interviews of CNN for over 25 years. Near the end of his career, he was asked, if you could interview anyone from history, who would that be? To this, Larry King answered, I would interview Jesus Christ and ask him just one question. And friends, the high priest had the chance to ask that just one question. But he was not seeking the truth. His question was a trap. All of the council had seen Jesus' miracles, signs, and wonder. They had heard him teach, but teach them, but they rejected him. It was not convenient for them. And as we read in the last verse here, you have heard his blasphemy. What is your decision? And they all condemned him as deserving death. And some began to spit on him and to cover his face and to strike him, saying, prophesy. And the guards received him with blows. The question for all of us this morning is, if Jesus is who he said he was, how we, how are we going to respond? Jesus' answer may be, it's not the convenient answer, but it's the truth. And probably this truth of who he is leave us powerless and utterly dependent on Jesus, but it's the truth. There is no way that we can pay for our sins before God.
God himself designed a plan to came to pay the price so then you can be at peace before God. How are you going to respond? Jesus did everything. For your forgiveness and for your eternal security. What is your response? If he is, if he is the truth, we should stop and consider it because with that answer depends our eternal life or our eternal death or separation from God. It's a serious question. Are you the Christ? I am. I am. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for your word. This morning we want to give you thanks for coming and sending your son Jesus, the son of God, God himself, to pay the penalty of sin. Thank you for your sacrifice. And as we ponder about this question, help us to respond through faith, believing that you are God, the Christ, the Son of God, who came from heaven to earth. to pay the penalty of sin in our behalf. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen.